y'all. Hello. It is episode three of the talk show that now has a name. It is. Not. That complicated. Not that complicated. Ooh. We took some votes and we feel like it applies to life and love and what else is there, right? So it's me, Allie, and CJ, and we have a special guest today, Amy. Hello. My name is Amy, and I'm just a curious person here to talk about love and science. That's right. So we decided that we wanted to delve a little deeper into the science of love, if that's a thing, which I think it is. And I think it all started when we, we, we were talking about meeting people and, like, smelling them. Their breath, their skin, their pheromones. The way they tasted. The way they tasted. And, like, could that help us decide, like, is, is this person right for us? And then we thought, that sounds science-y, and we're not scientists, but let's see what we can come up with. And, yeah, I think there's a lot of, a lot of things on this topic that we could cover. I would love to talk about the t-shirt experiment. Yeah, tell us about that. Do you guys remember about this? I remember Um, hearing a little bit about it. Yeah, so there is a lovable scientist named Klaus Wiederkind, and I'm sure I pronounced that wrong. He sounds like a great guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's in Switzerland somewhere. And he's really famous for doing this study where he had a bunch of college males sleep with a t-shirt for two nights kind of by their bed, snuggling it. And then he took those t-shirts and took a bunch of girls at college and gave them those t-shirts to smell. And so while they were smelling them, they rated that on a scale of like sexy to friendly to whatever. And um, what they ended up coming out with was a tale of fuck. A tale of fuck. (laughs) (laughs) It was a tale of fuck. Basically, all of that to say that um, the ladies were attracted to men who were genetically compatible. And that just means that their characteristics were a little bit different than their own. So, for the most part, they weren't being paired up with people they were similar with. So, smell, genetics, compatibility, it's kind of a really big deal. So do you feel That's like... interesting. Yeah, it is really interesting, and it reminds me of one of the first guys I ever had a crush on in high school. We had this, like, emotional, intense relationship. We, we used to write each other poems. I mean, I'm, I'm no poet, so you can imagine how that would go. <laughs> um, his name is Matt, and I borrowed a t-shirt from him, and I remember it was, like, a Grateful Dead tie-dye shirt. And he used to wear Nicole Miller cologne, which was... <laughs> I don't even know if they sell that anymore, but it was amazing and maybe it was just amazing on him and so his shirt smelled like that so I just kind of like slept with it for like a few weeks and like didn't want to wash it and it turns out your immune system <laughs> was complimentary that's to right his. but the funny thing is we never kissed because we were both too chicken to make a move so we just have this sort of talk on the phone all like late night and hang out and just like stare into each other's eyes but never do anything oh yeah adorable. I should have just gotten some balls and should've kissed him but it. I know, we could be married. But today, was to it the Nicole Miller perfume? <laughs> <laughs> or was it actually? Well, that's stuff? that's the question. And then is it it's is it both, right? Right. Like a mixture? Well, actually, there's a lot of studies on cologne and perfume, and they don't really do anything. There's all this talk about wow. pheromones, and you know how, like, in Sky Mall, you can buy the special <laughs> potion yeah. to, like, make you... Oh, my gosh, yeah. I never looked through this. I, I always... <laughs> 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 I never 
like, yeah, I might want to buy this. I, I take photos and send them to people. Like, you have to buy this. The tissue box with the, like, tissue that comes out the nose. No, no I've never seen that. The next time I'm on a flight, I know what to get you. <laughs> It has very wide circulation. I think it's like the number one. So what? So what? Grab. What is it promoting? It's saying. Well, basically, it's these people who try to say that you put this love potion on you, and somehow you're going to be magically attractive to other Everyone, people. Or yeah, and study and study and study says that that's just not how it goes. Right. So you can. The point is, you can't cover it up. It's like this biological. But what about birth control? Wasn't there a study that says that messes up your mm. it, yeah. your sensibility to smell so, properly? Your perfect match? Yeah, this guy Klaus, <coughs> our buddy Klaus, uh, <laughs> continued. Ugh, wherever he is, he is really listening to us right now. He sounds like he's a ladies' man, I bet. I know, all of this research. Uh, yeah, so basically when women go off of birth control, uh, everything gets a bit messed up. And the men that they're with basically start to smell like them. And all of a sudden you get this mirroring that happens, which is pretty bad, because when you're with someone with similar genes, it's kind of like, who has similar genes? Your parents and your brothers. And it's associated with all these bad things. Wait, so I'm sorry, can we back up a little bit? When, yeah. you, when you go off birth control, yeah. you realize yeah. that your person is similar to you, which yeah. you didn't but know before. If, but they might not be, though. They might not be. Okay. okay. Yeah. And you sort of you get a little turned off? Or? Yeah, it's like kind of like a light switch, but a biological light switch, but it doesn't happen all the time. I don't know. Basically, I heard a story where this couple, basically they were trying to have a kid. And the possibilities in terms of having a healthy child go down when you're not matched like that right. correctly. Um, so it's kind of one example of a bad thing that could happen <clears throat> when you go off of it. So I can say, though, personally, I went off birth control, okay. and I was with uh, my partner, and he w- was asking me for a month every day, like, do you still like me? Do you still like me? Aww. Do I still smell okay? Do I still smell okay? Um, but I can promise you we're still... And does. Yes. Yes. Good. We're still good. So it's... I mean, you know. were you worried about it, though? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, then it's like, what do you do? It's science. Right. You can't fight science. <laughs> Biology. Biology. You can't fight it. Yeah. And, you know, all of us to say I'm not a scientist. But I know the science of my own relationship, and that's love. Yeah. (laughs) And how long have you been with your partner? Yeah, so we've been together. I don't know. I always ask him because I forget. I don't know what that says about (laughs) our relationship. But four years about now. So. Nice. You're living together. We're living together. We're cohabitating with a cat. That's right. How was that adjustment moving in together? Yeah, I mean, it happened pretty quick after we started dating. Um, I was living in Williamsburg, and there were rats and garbage everywhere. So, I mean, that was one kind of smell. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Completely turned me away. So he kind of, like, rescued me from that. And, yeah, we've been living together for three and a half years or so. Nice. So you moved in, like, yeah, within, like, six six months? months? Yeah, it was quick. So you knew. You kind of... Did you guys, like, hit it off immediately, or what was your sort of romantic path? Yeah, that's a funny story. Uh, So we went on our first date and actually wasn't super attracted to him. And then we started making out on the first date. (laughs) And after the first date, 
we basically were in a relationship, and I think it had a lot to do with smell, and has had a lot to do with all of that. Right. Yeah. So that's a really a case for you should absolutely make out on the first date. Yeah. You just figure it out. It's true. Unless you don't like the way they smell, then probably like, right away. Maybe their breath is bad. Yeah. Do you maybe <laughs> have something? A story like that, CJ? <laughs> yeah, I actually dated a man who had old man breath. And. Can you um, go a bit deeper when you say old man breath? It was stinky. Mm. Um, so I always tried, we always tried to eat something or get like a really fruity cocktail wherever, whenever. <laughs> no, no. Um. But after, like, once I actually fell for him pretty hard, I stopped smelling it. Either he fixed it, or I, something just turned off. Hmm. So. I mean, I doubt that he just... Maybe I liked to stink. I don't know. You liked it. Hmm. Did you, did you guys ever talk about it? <laughs> no. Like, oh, hey. No, he was extremely... Okay. Um, sensitive. Right. About everything. Right. <laughs> yes. Was it just his breath or did was he just a stinky person? No, it was completely his just his breath. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so many things I could follow up to that. But what's interesting, okay, so you guys dated for how long did you guys? 9 months. Okay. So that's, that's a while. good chunk of time. 8 months, I would say. So at what point did the breath stop? Being stinky. Months two? Wow. Hmm. I don't know. We're going to have to ask some scientists about this I shit. I know, really. It's perplexing. But then also we have the the benefit of hindsight and like knowing that, that that relationship didn't work out and me being your friend, I don't think he was right for you. So <laughs> the question is like, could this been... Could we have detected this earlier? I don't know. Well, I mean, if we're going by instinct, <laughs> my instinct the minute I met him was run away. And really? Back. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. This is going to end ugly was my first thought. Right. And I was right. Yeah. Run away. Your biological reptile brain, when yeah. it tells you run reptile away, brain. run. Listen, away. don't dive in. We're not. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, there's no judgments. I mean, I think you have to do all those kind of things to, to learn. But I wonder, I feel like you might not do that again. No, I absolutely will not do that again. Right. Mm -hmm. But the attraction was, like, very intense. Also a little, like, reptilian animal. No. Yeah? No. More emotional. It was very emotionally intense. Oh. There's also some interesting research about uh, that kind of super in love feeling. So when you have butterflies in your stomach mm -hmm. and you're totally crazy about this person. Um, I don't know if any of you have experiences with that. Um, we have in the past. Yes. Yeah, so in that kind of emotional state, I think like I told one of you, stage five clinger. Clinger, yeah, I love that. I love that term. But they actually meet. So it's one stage five clinger meeting another stage five clinger. So imagine the intensity of this first time love. Right. Uh, and that actually is basically cocaine for your brain. Um, so when you look at different parts of the brain that are used in processing extreme pleasure, um, you see that. 
there's this really famous uh, researcher named Helen Fisher, and she's done a bunch of different TED Talks, and she writes on this stuff all the time. And her most recent work has been in this area, and she's a pretty interesting lady. Um, but she basically says we use this unconscious roadmap when we try to find people, and that when we do, this spark ignites. And anyway, all that to say that in that initial super loving part of the relationship, you can overlook a lot because you're having cocaine. <laughs> right. That makes sense. That does Dopamine, make sense. right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And that's sort of, I feel like. I mean, depending on the people, obviously, but I always call that, like, the honeymoon period, which I think is, like, one to six months or the first day. And then you kind of start to be, like, more comfortable and maybe the drug is less potent and you're kind of like, hmm, you're a little annoying when you do this. So you are <laughs> Do I still like period. you? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Well, I but, think we were in the honeymoon period. It was very tumultuous, so it was, like... There wasn't a honeymoon period. Which is also was, yeah. addictive as well, yeah. like, when you're going up and down and, like, this is a challenge, or how does he feel, and, like, when you're together, you're having this great time, and then you're not sure, like, when you're apart, like, what's gonna be yeah. next, and, yeah. Highs and lows and breaths just coming and going. <laughs> and <laughs> mints and gum. Would you like a mojito? Because they, they'll put a lot of... A mint in there. Floss. Oh, <laughs> man. Uh, I worked uh, or collaborated with this woman a few years ago who was saying when she first met her husband, she wasn't attracted to him at all, like physically. He was a little overweight, short, um, and she said he had really, really bad breath, but he was a really nice guy, <laughs> and she had dated a lot of, I guess, douches in New York, and I think she's... She's in her mid-30s, and she was really ready to settle down or, like, get married and have kids. And, and so she's like, I just, you know, when I was younger, I maybe would have not dated him, but I decided to, like, keep going. And she said, you know, she did become attracted to him physically, but she never got over the breath thing. But she talked about it openly with him, and and he would just chew mints or, like, brush his teeth or use mouthwash before they would did hook up. Did go to up. the dentist? Um, I, I feel like they tried that too. So, so it's either like a serious medical, like halitosis situation right. or they really weren't compatible and she was just trying to make fit that in. But I know for a fact they now have a kid and hmm. well, I I'm the assuming kid... they're still married. I don't actually know because the kid has bad breath. I know. Maybe. <laughs> I wonder if the oh yeah. I don't know. But I always just hear that, and I think it's also something I think when you're single and people in couples sometimes try to talk to you about, like, why you're single, and maybe you're too picky, and maybe you should give, like, be more open to people and give them a chance, and I don't know. I'm always just kind of like, I don't... Yes, I do think you should be open and give people a chance, but I think there's limits, and I also think when you're having this, like, physical, visceral reaction to a smell of this person, it's like... Maybe you shouldn't fight it. No, you should not. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like you can have a list of all the things that you want in a guy, but at the end of the day, if you're with them and they match with your genes, like, right. shit's going down. That's right. And it's interesting because what if you know that you don't want kids, and so you just want a partner, but, like, isn't that why you're smelling, you know, the genes is about procreating, right? Yeah. I mean, all of this the whole biology aspect of it. 
Yeah, the, the researcher that I talked about before um, is an evolutionary kind of anthropologist, biologist, and that's where all this comes <clears throat> from. Because our purpose as human beings is to procreate, at least in the Darwinian sense. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that's a huge thing that, like, a white elephant in the room, I guess, is that all of this research is based on heterosexual couples. Okay, yeah. Which is a whole other thing. That's true. To consider. Yeah, did you find... Have you heard of any studies with homosexual couples? I'm sure there are a lot out there. Yeah. Um, well, there was a study, the book, I forget what it, was, what it was called, but I was reading, and it was talking about, like, what actually turns people on. Mm-hmm. I think you and I were talking about this, Allie, a while ago. And they would sit women in a room and men in a room and they would watch, like, porn of all, like, different mm. types. And, like, men were very, very uh, predictable. But women, it was, like, very surprising because they were aroused um, nearly everything. Aroused everything. <laughs> <laughs> So it was, like, it was, ex- it's surprising. Like, visually, I guess. Hmm. Um, well, were they showing them the same exact things? Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's interesting. Like, animals on animals. Like, oh, a lot. man well, alone, woman alone, woman, woman. Like, lit- literally everything. Where in the world is this study being Yeah, and how done? can we get involved now? <laughs> this, is, this is very interesting. Uh, I'm just I watching porn for science, guys. It's just what I have to I do. Think yeah. it's in Can- I think it happened in Canada in, like, a very rural area. They wanted, like, uh, you know, the purest mm. of, like, people. I think it's Canada. But Canadian. <laughs> God knows. Nobody knows what goes on up there. Right. No, or okay. it's, like, somewhere in Montana. I don't know. Some very rural area huh. but it was a 10 year study I'm pretty sure so it was a very yeah well if you can find the link to that share it with us and then all I'm thinking about are like the dirty story books that they used to have like back in the 70s or like they still have them now but you know the books that you kind of line up on the shelf I guess maybe it's the uh, 50 shades of grey of the 70s I don't no, know. Is it, is it fiction? Yeah, like sexy stories that come in all shapes and forms. Like, you know how you'd get the Encyclopedia oh, Britannica? You basically oh, really? have all these sexy stories that were of all different Sexy kinds. stories from the same. <laughs> that sounds something I, I, I'd like to look into that. I do know this, that you guys are, well, obviously Penthouse is still a magazine, but like Penthouse letters or like stories or whatever. Someone freshman year in college like had the book or something They made it into a book. Wow. Penthouse letters, book. All I know is we just would sit around, and it was an all-girls floor, and, like, each, we all had lived in suites, so we had four women in, in a room, and we were all, like, crazy, and most of us were friends, and we used to have story time almost every night where someone would come in and read the Penthouse no. letters to us as if it was just, like, fiction. We also did Danielle Steele, too, but we found the Penthouse letters more interesting. <laughs> and it was always some weird, plotty, cheesy, like porn situation like but like light secretary versus boss or and it was always supposed to be these I felt like it was these guys who wrote these letters who 
wrote about it in the first person as if it happened to them, but it's like, give me a break. You right. wish that happened to you. But <laughs> Dear diary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Today. But I do remember sitting around just like being really fascinated, but more in like a fictional sense. Not like I could imagine that happening to me, but just like, oh, it's interesting. Or how would that work? Or what are the logistics of that? <laughs> like, What are that, the logistics? I don't know. That no, just That totally just brought up that memory, which I don't think I've ever... I remember just getting instructional, reading the instructional, like in Cosmo, or like we would sit and read those out loud to like, you'll never guess. Like how to, how to, to give that, that, this, that, yeah, or the yeah. other thing. Yeah. I it was like a step by that. step? Yeah. Like, Vogue, no, I don't think of Vogue, but, you know, the Cosmo Yeah, oh, yeah, Cosmo's like that. Yeah. Um, Did you do this alone? Or no, was it no, no, it was our dorm floor. Like, girls would run to each room and be like, <laughs> look at this article. Uh, oh. Did you know that you're supposed to do this? And we're like, no, no. <laughs> like, no, I had no idea. I've been doing this all wrong. I've been doing it all wrong. <laughs> well, in high school... I was on the gymnastics team, and our coach was a health teacher at another school. And he was really open about everything, obviously, especially sex. And he was coaching a bunch of high school girls who wanted to ask a lot of questions, and he would be happy to answer them, being like, you know, I'd actually rather you ask me because I, like... Not that he was a scientist, but, you know, he was a teacher and, like, health sort of expert, if you will. So we used to be on the, the bus going home from meets and... We'd be, like, asking about what men like and how to give a blowjob. I know. When I tell this story now, it seems like maybe that was inappropriate for young girls under 18 to yeah. talk to their... But we were, like, so into it. And just because it just seemed like, like this was, like, an adult man. And, and he's sort of... He's giving us this, like, sort of academic point of view. I'm getting creeped out over here. I know. You know what? He was a good coach. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he was great. I will not say his name. He might still be coaching. <laughs> Oh dear. Oh my god. Oh dear. Um Yeah. What do women want? That's the book. Which the book? Book with ten year study. Oh, oh, the porn watching. It's a whole book. Oh, it's yeah. a book. It's a book. What do wow. women want? Interesting. What do women want? Yep. <laughs> Daniel okay. Berg Bergner. Well can what's the uh is there like a little summary? What do we want? I'd like to know. I want Daniel to tell tell me. Um, I don't know. It's in my. Yeah, I feel like maybe better to post yeah. rather than read a whole summary. Um, but yeah, so that was a very interesting read. There's actually one more thing that I found super interesting, which was about food, right? Mm. So what is this stereotype where the quickest way to a man's heart is through his stomach, oh, right? yeah. First of all, I don't really know how you feel about that. I mean, it seems a little 1950s to me, like I should be cooking in the kitchen, but... Well, I don't cook uh, <laughs> <laughs> until, like, way, way far. In. Yeah. Yeah, well, basically, the study was out of Singapore, and they did a couple different tiers, of studies in terms of kind of looking at different control groups and how they associated flavor with emotion. So what they finally came down to was they had a group of people and they divided them into three sections. Um, one started thinking about a positive experience related to love. 
The second group started thinking about a negative experience related to love, mm. and the third group was a control, and they basically were told to think about monuments in Singapore. So, <laughs> whatever. Uh, and so they primed them with that. Then the next part of the study was they were each given a little bottle of water, but they didn't know that it was water. Oh. And they asked them to drink it and then rate the flavor. Oh. And the people who had primed themselves with being in love actually found the water to be sweeter, which is kind of. And these amazing. were just people who were just thinking about a happy love time. Exactly. Oh, I prime people all the time. <laughs> Tell me more about that. <laughs> if I if I really want something, it's like the whole like your hands are warm, like and people like see you as I have freezing hands all the time, so I'm always trying to warm my hands because people see you as a warm person if your if you shake their hand and your hands are warm versus like a cold. Uh-huh. Yeah, or, or like. Um, you hand someone, like, a warm drink, they're more open to what you're about to say. Really? Yeah. That's very true. Good negotiation skills. Yeah. Or you give them a compliment, or you say something nice about, like... like before. Yeah. You sort of... It, you, yeah. I've been caught a couple of times. Have you? Yeah. In, in... Huh. What kind of situations, like... A total game situation. No, no, no. Oh. A game, like, where we were... Someone was, like, a science teacher, and they're like... Did you just prime me? <laughs> oh, wow. Ooh. I was like, I did. I did have met my match. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Yeah. It, it would have been had I not got caught. But. Well, it's that sort of interesting and speaks to, like, you know, the whole idea of, like, happiness is a choice and having those kind of feelings, if you can just so lame but like think positively or think about I mean most of us have had some kind of happy love memories even if it's just like you know with family members or friends or that like the world can change around you like oh yeah how you taste perception. things and how you see things completely yeah positive psychology is a whole interesting way to go I do have this app though that I use and it like pings me two times a day, once in the morning and once at night, and it's like share something happy or like reflect on something happy. Oh. And I just yeah. keep it private, like to myself. But yeah. it actually does make me feel a little better. Oh yeah. But I don't want to be idea. like that person who's just sharing their happiness all over the internet in that obnoxious way. But it does help. Yeah, because I just heard something. In, speaking of Facebook, which you were talking about before we started recording this, but that people are actually, like, feeling more depressed looking at happy times on Facebook of other people or, or photos because... comparing their own life. Yeah, comparing their own life, and it's just one snapshot, and obviously you're going to put your happiest moment, and you're not taking a picture of yourself depressed and putting that kind of selfie up. Yeah. So, yeah, so people are comparing and thinking that their life is not as good as what they're right. seeing right. on Twitter and Facebook. No one's taking the photo of you, like... <laughs> Passed out in the <laughs> Yeah, like when I eat my full pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream in front of the TV in my pajamas. Uh, yeah, there's no one taking photos of that, which is a whole nother interesting thing. Like, yeah, I mean, Facebook's a fake. It's a you know, it's a fake reality. Yeah, it's your ideal reality. It's your ideal reality. Yeah. <clears throat> but it can I get angry sometimes. I well, I've gone off Facebook a couple of times just because it's just like. And have you felt? 
different or better, like, during the times yeah, that you're not yeah. checking Yeah, and I'm actually, on like, now I don't even, like... Because, of course, when you have a crush on someone and they're on it, like, you're more apt to check mm-hmm. it. Yeah. But, like, going off of it, I think I'm less apt to, even if there's someone on there that I, like, I don't really... I don't post that much anymore. Right. I don't check anymore, which is nice. I feel like... I feel like I got my privacy back. Yeah. Which is kind of nice because I I don't know if this is selfish, but like now people have to ask me like how I'm doing instead of Facebook stuff. It's kind of nice though. <laughs> yeah. To have more real interactions. Yeah. And like you're going to know who your real friends are. They're calling you up and talking to you and texting you. Right. Versus liking. Yeah, versus that, like, that's so, or, like, wishing you a happy birthday. Right. I like, I like people to text or call. I just had the opposite experience, where I had been off of Facebook for so long, and my family, actually, they've gone through life transitions lately, including, like, marriages, engagements, and kids, and they were like, why aren't you online? Like, I looked at your profile, and the last thing that you did was listen to an NSYNC record on Spotify three months ago. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and I'm like, Mom, first of all, I didn't know that Spotify was sharing my da- listening that's, habits. Yeah, that's dangerous. Yes. Let's start there. Uh, by the way, if you need directions on how to do a private session, we can talk about that another time. Yeah, no, I immediately push it private. No one needs to know when I'm listening yeah. to Mariah Carey. Exactly. it's so bad. <laughs> So bad. All of that to say, the past couple months I've been on it, and I find it extremely frustrating, but I'm trying to set it up to where I can just see my family and close friends. So. Mm. Yeah. Because they have an algorithm, and so it's like, for whatever reason, the people who post the most are the ones that you see, and it's always oh, like... Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. So it's always like... I guess now how the algorithm works, like, if you interact with them, that, like, even if you like one thing, all of a sudden you see that person all the time. Mm. And, like, the people you don't interact with that much, like, even though you still want to see what they're doing, like, they don't, they don't show up in your feed. Oh, Facebook, you tricky. It's like, love it and hate it. Like, I actually don't love it, but I do hate it. But I also feel like I can't not be on it, just for certain communities that you're in, and I just try to find a balance, like... I, I went back on it, actually, for business networking. Yeah. So, <clears throat> it's... That you can't, li- you can't live with it. You can't live without it. <laughs> it's the new man. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, I don't know. Do we have any other last thoughts? Uh, we're and not scientists. We're not scientists. Yeah, let's however, be clear on that. <laughs> however, we will post some links to the actual studies yeah. and the actual scientists who can explain it much better than us. Definitely. And I feel like I have a lot of homework to do. I want to watch some of these TED Talks by Helen and read more. And I don't know. It's just, it's just fun to think about because you think it's a lot of it's under your control. And I don't think that it is. No. no. My, I had a good friend once. She was like, you know what's so frustrating is you can pick your path in your professional life. Like, you can, you know, work hard in your educational life. Like, but when it comes to meeting the person, like, so it's really kind of out of your hands. Kind of mm. random. Yeah. 
And then I have another friend who's like, absolutely not. It's totally in your hands. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it just depends on what kind of person yeah. you are. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thanks, Amy, for being here. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. And talking about sciencey stuff. This is great. Yeah, and we have a lot to think about. I um, think, and I think the moral of the story for me is that you should probably make out with someone on the first date. Do and it. Just figure I it agree. out. And yeah. Just figure it out. Or if you don't want to make out with them, there's probably a bit. That's a big red flag. That's yeah. right. That's right. Trust your trust your your nose, your olfactory senses. Trust your nose. Love All right. It. We'll catch you guys next time. And again, this is not that complicated. Mm-hmm.